Welcome to Hospitality Forward. My name is Hana Lee. I am president and founder of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency specialized in hospitality and travel. We love storytelling and building national and global brands for spirits, cocktail bars, restaurants, hotels, and destinations. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, editor-in-chief at Hana Lee Communications and a food and beverage writer. This podcast is for hospitality and travel professionals who want to learn how to earn the media spotlight. As a journalist myself and Hannah as a PR professional, we understand the power of media coverage and its positive impact on someone's career and business. That's why we're undertaking this Giving Back to the Community initiative. So tune in every week to hear us interview top journalists who share their insights and tips. Hannah and I are also the authors and producers of our agency's first book, The Japanese Art of the Cocktail, which is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores nationwide. Actually, it was just rated the best book of 2021 by Barnes & Noble. Each week, we give away a copy of The Japanese Art of the Cocktail to our listeners, so please share a pitching tip you found most interesting from our episode and email us at info at hannaleecommunications.com. That's I-N-F-O at H-A-N-N-A-L-E-E communications with an S dot com. And remember to have hospitality forward in the subject line for a chance to win a book. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Holly Graham, managing editor of Drink Magazine, Asia's leading bar industry platform. Holly is currently number 12 on the Bar World 100, a list of the world's most influential figures in the bar industry. She's also an Academy Chair for the world's 50 best bars and Asia's 50 best bars. In addition, Holly sits on the Education and Spirit Awards Committee for Tales of the Cocktail. Hi, Holly. Welcome to the show. So great to see you. We've been following your work for a while, and we're delighted to have you on today. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Right back at you, too. I've been following you, um, and I'm honored to be here. Um, Even though it's 6.30 in the morning in Hong Kong, I'm just more than happy to be here. I don't usually smile this much in the morning. (laughs) Oh, Thanks so much for getting up early to do this and to help our community. So we appreciate you a lot. It means a lot to us. For our listeners around the world, can you tell us about Drink Magazine? So Drink is a trade publication. So our audience is bartenders, bar owners, anyone curious about the bar industry. But, you know, we cater more towards the bar industry. Um, So, yeah, trade side. Um, Yeah, and we've been covering the rest of Asia since 2016. And then I joined, wow, when was it? I think beginning of 2017 now. And that's when you guys got nominated for Tales of the Cocktail, starting 2017, right? First of several nominations. Yeah, yeah. So since I've been with the team, we've been nominated for the last three years. And I think there was one just before I joined. Um, But it's one of those things now, right? Now it's been the last three years. It's like we're on a roll. Obviously, we want to win one day. But I think a lot of people say just getting a nomination at Tales is, you know, is enough to get that recognition is wonderful as well. So, yeah, that's that's always really nice when that happens. Yeah. And also we noticed that you have other languages on the website, like um, Chinese, Korean and Thai. That's right. I think it's such a great platform to have that multi-languages. 
And would, would you say those languages represent the largest audiences for drink? Yeah. So obviously, because we started in China, you know, because often on the WeChat platform, my colleagues will translate some of my work into Chinese and then, you know, vice versa, if we think that it works for each other's audience. And then, yeah, we, I mean, obviously our biggest audiences are in Asia. Um, and it always helps to have like Korean and Thai because they are character-based languages like Chinese as well. And we tend to use those articles when we feature Korean personalities or Thai personalities to just expand that wider audience. You know, if some of the their followers can't read um, in English, then, you know, it just opens up to that wider audience as well. In recent years, Asia has become prominent as a cocktail destination, especially Singapore, Japan, Korea, China, and others. So in your opinion, what's driving this trend? I think Asia is very forward thinking when it comes to cocktail innovation and concepts and things like that. I'm obviously biased living here and I obviously love it, but I was fortunate enough, well, not for the best reasons, but I had to go back to the UK um, earlier this year for family reasons because travel is pretty much impossible in Hong Kong at the moment because our borders are closed. But to me, I think London has a great scene, but I traveled the rest of Europe and of course there were some great bars, but I feel like Asia is actually quite ahead of the West. Um, I think that before we, you know, we were kind of slower and then it was a slow build and now we've just like skyrocketed um, above everyone else and there's just so much innovation. And I think it's a lot of it is also access to the incredible ingredients and fresh produce that we have here. You know, I go to London and people are like, well, we're using this product, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be telling me about, I don't know, something like Pandan. And I'm like, I grow that on my roof in Hong Kong. You know, it's like, it's not really, I guess they're like ingredients that the West think are unique. But here we're like, yeah, we've been using those for a while. Um, yeah, it's hard to say, really. I just I just think the innovation, the, the depth of flavors, I think that people here aren't afraid to experiment and do crazier stuff um, and sort of get outside the box, which is really cool as well. Yeah. And as I have to say, they are so creative and they are passionate. They want to learn. And I, I just love communicating with the bartenders in Asia. Well, and, and they're also committed to excellence and uh, precision and, you know, flawless execution. And that goes a long way. And I think, like you said there, Hannah, I think like passion is a big thing, you know, because so often our scene has, or for a long time, our scene has struggled for recognition. You know, it was always London, New York. I think Asia was really clamoring for recognition that it so sorely deserved. So they had to be passionate, you know, and put that drive and effort in. Um, and finally, it's paying off now, which I love to see. Yeah, we couldn't agree more. So we, we read that you're number 12 on the Bar World 100. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Oh, based on what you do for our community, you deserve this spot. And for, for our listeners, that is the list of the world's most influential figures in the bar industry. So that is an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. So let's move on to the topic of drinks. What do you like most about covering bars and drinks for a drink magazine? I think for me, that love started when I was the food and drink editor at Time Out Hong Kong, because as much as I love food and food is beautiful and incredible, and, you know, we, we have an amazing food scene in Hong Kong, too. I think that when I first started as a junior, the editor previous to me, she didn't really drink. So she gave me a lot of the bar reviews to do, and that sort of started to pique my interest. Um, and then I just found 
I found that food writing became a little bit repetitive for me. Um, and there's so much more intricate, nerdy stuff to write and learn about booze. Um, that I just, I don't know, something just clicked with me. And, you know, I come from a family of cocktail drinkers. My family all love them. My husband works in the industry as well, my best friends. And I, I think it just sort of slowly sucks me in. And I just love writing about, there's just so many interesting trends at the moment as well and changes. You know, for example, I wrote an article about soju and how, you know, soju is moving on from the iconic cream bottle um, into like craft production and things like that. I think with Asia as well, it's not even just the cocktails. It's like there's so many amazing craft spirits coming out of our region as well. And the camaraderie as well. It's such a nice place to be. Like I always found journalism a little bit cutthroat. And whilst I am a journalist, I don't really think of myself. I think of myself as bar industry, but that's the people that I sit with better, you know, and I, I just, they're my, they're my tribe. <laughs> Us too. We feel the same way. Yeah. My crazy in journalism, I'm in public relations field, but first foremost, we feel we are in the bar community. This is the community that we belong and we love. So we couldn't agree more with you. So you, you actually broached a, a topic that's uh, very close to us, soju, of which we've consumed uh, quite a few of the little green bottles. Yes. And we, we absolutely loved your story. I mean, here you have this $3.5 billion industry poised for disruption with these, you know, upstarts really changing the game and producing artisanal products. So how, how did that story get on your radar? So as I mentioned earlier, I used to live in South Korea, um, in Seoul, um, and being a young teacher there, I consumed several of the green bottles myself, uh, many, many headaches. But I, so that article, I can't take all credit for that because that was based on a seminar from Tales of the Cocktail that was put together um, by some great people and some of my friends. Uh, so Keith from Charles H., uh, and Demi and Sean, who are bartenders in Korea, who just opened an amazing venue that's very Korean focused, like Korean spirits, Korean ingredients. And then Julia, who's an Aussie expat in Korea, but is so, so passionate about all kinds of Korean alcohol. Um, and then Douglas Park, who has started Toki Soju, which is one of these craft brands. And I actually um, discovered Toki through you know, the industry, we're all linked somehow. And my husband consulted on a bar out here um, and they bought over Toki Soju. So I, I tried some and I was like, this stuff is amazing. You know, it's not not the soju that I knew or grew up with in Korea. Yeah, it's completely different. It's so good. And they have, I'm sure you guys are familiar, obviously, because they started in New York. Um, and then their aged soju. And then anyway, Keith Motsey from Charles H. put together this seminar for Tales. And basically, I thought, oh, you know, okay, Tales is quite American-focused, but this speaks to our audience. So I adapted their useful knowledge into this article, which I, I think came out really well. Um, and I think it's, a, like you said, disruptive is the word. I think it's a great topic to start looking at these traditional alcohols and how things are changing. Other than soju, I know there's a lot of different types of spirits brand uh, in Asia or from, you know, Europe and America. So what are the criteria to be featured in the product section or shelf life? Our criteria is that it has to have been on the market for less than three months and it can't really be limited release because it should be something that a bartender can put on their back bar, you know, and have as part of their repertoire. And that it has to be good as well. You know, we don't want to waste your time or our time putting bad products on the website. 
and usually, you know, I, I get sent some really interesting stuff and nine times out of 10, it's really great anyway. But for me, my personal criteria as well is that I hate to say it, but you know, there's so many, there's a lot of gins in Asia and some of them aren't really special or different. Um, so with things like that, they have to be perhaps, you know, sustainable or contributing to their, their market or, you know, um, for example, one of my favorite gins that I can't stop talking about is a Vietnamese gin called Song Kai. Um, and they do so much to work with local communities and things like that. So there needs to be a story, you know, because more more often than not, we've heard the story of like, oh, friends got bored of the rat race and gave up the nine to five and started making gin, you know. And whilst that's great, I like a bit more, you know, a bit more of a story to it. <laughs> so you did a great piece on new and upcoming bars in Asia. And uh, as it happens, you uh, included Bar Zest and Toki Bar in Korea. So how did these spots get on your radar? Uh, like I said, fortunately, Korea is maybe a good or a bad example because having lived there, I am, you know, connected uh, and I've always got so much love for Korea. I miss it very much. But Toki was through the guys because we'd already been in touch um, and they, you know, I talked about the product and they were like, hey, we're opening a bar, which is in Hongdae, which used to be my old stomping grounds in Korea. So, you know, a little bit of love. For such a new brand, I think it's super interesting that they're already opening their own bar. Like, not many people do that. You only really see that from big brands, like maybe, I don't know, like Diageo brands or something, opening bars or Bean Suntory. You don't really see small craft brands doing that. So I thought that was really interesting. And with Zest as well, like, I, I've known Demi for a long time. And usually people just drop me a line or... I will see it on Instagram. Uh, actually, more often than not, I would I would love people to drop me a line more, but more often than not, I'll see them posting about it on social media. And then I'll message them and be like, hey, can you send me the press release or the images? You know, often people forget to send it. Or I'll publish the article and they'll be like, oh, you didn't feature us, but I'm not telepathic, you know. <laughs> I also see that you often profile interesting people um, through the Q&As or the profile of those folks. So what type of qualifications are you looking for in person? I guess it's it's similar to, you know, the bottles, whilst obviously bottles and people are different things. They, you know, they have to be doing interesting stuff. Um, or I'd say one of our main criteria for our venue or people piece is, is would it inspire another bartender like or someone in the industry can they learn something that's always that's kind of like one of the fundamentals of our pieces on drink magazine like with venues or people it's will someone draw inspiration or learn or be inspired by this you know um because of course there are fantastic bars but i don't know perhaps it's like i don't know it might be like a new york style bar in hong kong and whilst that's incredible and it's a really good bar they might not be doing anything particularly unique or something that people can learn lessons from um so you know uh for example vj medallier who just opened analog in singapore and he's behind native you know he's someone that deserves all the spotlight because he's such a champion of sustainability in the industry and he's just opened a a new venue that um, showcases ingredients that we might be using in the future due to climate crisis. Um, and it's more, whilst it's a vegan and vegetarian concept, he's not pitching it as that. He's pitching it as this is how we're going to live in the future to be more sustainable. So, you know, that is a great 
that is a great example of inspiring other bartenders because other other people may look at their operations and be like, wow, let's be more like VJ and, you know, cut our waste and things like that. Um, so, yeah, not they don't necessarily all have to be as crazy and groundbreaking as VJ because he is very out there and forward thinking. But, yeah, definitely something that people can take inspiration from. That's great. For those who don't have a PR agency or a PR person representing them, can you share your top three tips to get your attention when pitching you? So I think that a lot of people, and I, I don't think they mean it, but something that annoys me a little bit is people will just sort of email me and expect to be written about. I guess my first tip is don't be expectant. You know, I, I am one person covering all of Asia. Um, so it's quite hard, you know, so I guess be polite is always the thing. Uh, you know, I'm always respectful when I approach people. So I would, you know, like to be treated the same. I guess the other one is come armed with all of the information that you have. Like, again, quite often people will pitch me and perhaps they don't have a press release or time for an interview or photos. And of course, you know, we need photos to put a, a feature online. So, you know, if you're going to drop an email or something, then just be ready to have all that stuff at hand. And if you don't, that's also fine. But just say like, hey, this is, you know, say it's a new bar opening. Hey, this is happening. I'll have the photos with you by this date, you know, or whatever. Just just a heads up so I can fit it into my editorial calendar. Heads up is always good. Yeah. And I guess the third one is make sure that you stand out. You know, again, like coming back to what I just said earlier, is there's people doing great things, but whilst I can usually pick up what you're doing differently, sometimes like you need to tell us, you know, it's like that should be your selling point, whatever it is, you know, oh, we're zero waste or we you only use Asian spirits or something like that, you know, give me your selling point, like catch my attention from the get-go. Those are great tips. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure our listeners are taking very careful notes. <laughs> so we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because... We're very optimistic about our industry. So what organization have you seen that's really innovating and specifically moving hospitality and travel forward? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I don't know if this answers the question properly because it's not necessarily travel, but one huge innovation to come out of um, the last year or so, I can't remember exactly when it came out now, but is EcoSpirit. Um, for those who aren't familiar with EcoSpirits, it's a um, solution to glass wastage. Um, so basically, you know, obviously you have lots of bottles on your back bar and people always think, oh, throwing glass away is fine because it gets recycled. But we don't think that, you know, I think only 30% of glass get, ends up getting recycled. We also don't consider the carbon emissions that go into or come out of recycling, you know, just those processes. So EcoSpirits has these things called EcoTotes, which I believe come in 4.5 or 9 litres. And basically, they have their own range of spirits and you top up. So you'll keep your bottle and then the company will deliver this tote, this EcoTote to you, and then you top up your bottle to that. So basically, you're reusing your in-house bottles rather than throwing them away. Um, and they also do amazing things like planting trees in Borneo, which we all know has suffered, you know, horrible deforestation. Um, so, you know, for all their eco totes sold, they, they, uh, replant trees and things like that. And I think it's really disruptive. We wrote about it, um, on drink and I know that they had lots of phone calls from other big brands that won't go names that were just, you know, like 
wow, what, like, why haven't we done that? You know, and I, I really hope that the technology does get adopted by bigger brands and it doesn't become, you know, oh, we have to make our own one um, and that EcoSpirits, you know, opens up to other people. But yeah, I really do think that that's been one of the most disruptive things for hospitality. And obviously I haven't been able to travel much, but like you see them everywhere in Hong Kong because it was started by the Proof and Company founders, uh, which are based in Singapore. So obviously it started in Asia. And now it's rolling out globally as well. So I sound like a walking advert for them. And I genuinely, you know, full disclosure, my husband works for Proof and Company, but I really, really believe in the products because I'm a huge advocate for sustainability. And it was just like one of those things when it happened, it was just like, wow, like, why has no one thought of that before, you know? Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. It's kind of like a, a back to the future kind of solution because, you know, back in the 19th century, bars would purchase spirits by the barrel exactly which they would keep in their basements or whatever and fill up their back bar as as they needed it so it worked back then and no reason it can't work again i think that's the way forward in sustainability isn't it we're going to end up going back to these old things and you know start wrapping things in banana leaves again instead of plastic and things like that you know <laughs> with the travel resuming what is your dream destination country for business or personal and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so actually, while there's been no word of the borders reopening here, I guess my it's not really a dream because it's happening, but I'm very fortunate that next year uh, in February, I'll be judging the TAG Awards, um, which is the New Spirit Awards. And that will be in Vegas. So that will hopefully be my first destination. And then I will be going to Miami to see my friend, so Ashish Sharma, he used to be the head bartender of Bar Tragona in Kuala Lumpur, and he's recently moved to Miami. And then I am going to Colombia because Jean Trin of Alchemico has invited me, um, and I absolutely cannot wait. I've never been to Colombia. So you can see where I'm going with this. I'm making this trip count to make the quarantine count, right? Um, and then after that, um, I'll be going to Mexico for the Patron Perfectionist final. Um, we do a lot of work with Petronic Drink, um, and I really love what they do. And yeah, so fortunately, my husband's able to join this time. Um, we have some side, uh, some time either side of the competition. So we plan to go to Oaxaca and Mexico City and see the Limantour guys. But I think out of all those dream destinations for both work and travel is Oaxaca. Like, I'm a huge fan of Mezcal. I went to my last trip before this one when I went back to London was to Mexico, but I, I made it to tequila, but I didn't make it to Oaxaca. So I'm a huge fan of agave spirits. I think there's so much heart and soul that goes into it. And that, that trip to Mexico, I already was a fan, but I was like diehard fan after that. Um, yeah, so Oaxaca is really exciting. It's it's one of our favorite places on earth. It's It's almost a religious experience, frankly, to get close to the agaves and... yeah. Yeah, so it's so spiritual, isn't it? It's crazy. Absolutely. It is, it is. And the food is off the charts. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so on a lighter note, what's your favorite cocktail to share with your best friend or with your hubby? <sighs> That's a tough one. So I'm fortunate that my, my best friend and my husband and I are all huge. It's not a cocktail, but we're all huge fans of Finette Branca. So my best friend, she she owns the Pontiac uh, in Hong Kong, Beckley Franks. Uh, she got me into drinking Fanet. Um, and then when I met my husband, he was also a Fanet fan. But 
My favorite drink to share, again, with both of them, so my favorite drink that I feel like I, my obsession with this drink has got them into it more is a Gibson. But I am weird in the sense that I kind of like a dirty Gibson. You know, obviously a dirty martini tastes more like olives. And I think that I don't want the onion to be subtle in my Gibson. I, uh, I want it to taste like pickled onion, you know, and there's a nice dirty Gibson with lots and lots of onion and vinegar. Wow. You're, you're making us thirsty. Very thirsty. I'll join you for that drink. <laughs> so, Halia, thank you so much. Before we go, what is the best way for our listeners to contact you with their amazing story ideas? You can reach me on my email, holly at drinkmagazine.asia, or on my IG, which is at Holly Graham Drinks. So that's H-O-L-L-Y-G-R-A-H-A-M, drinks. Thank you so much, Holly. And it's such a pleasure to have you on our show. We look forward to seeing you sometime in person. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I hope to see you guys and have a Gibson with you soon. Absolutely. We'll we'll make a date of it. All right. Until then. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. That was a great conversation with a lot of food for thought. Now that you know what Holly is looking for, please feel free to reach out to her and introduce yourself. And don't forget to mention that you heard her on our podcast. We have a lot of exciting media guests in the pipeline, so please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review and tell your friends and colleagues who you think would benefit from the tips our journalist friends share on our show. See you next week. Until then... Join us as we move hospitality forward together.